0: and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty and I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk a little bit on the show about sunflower production. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on in your farm, we'd love to talk to you. Our number here is 844 844- Forty-four ag phd That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just uh, about 30 seconds here probably. Uh, before we do I will just say I really encourage you take a look at your first plant date for crop insurance for whatever crop you're going to raise and our advice is don't exceed that. Don't go earlier than the first plant date. We've had some farmers we've been talking to putting soybeans in over three weeks ahead of the first planting date for soybeans in their areas. That scares me to death. I just worry about those beans freezing off. Maybe it'll turn out fine, but you just have to look at the odds. We really encourage you, do everything you can to minimize your risk. This year, hopefully, is going to be a great year on the farm. You don't want to start it out by having to do a bunch of replants. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag.
1: Bag. All right, got a question from John. We'll start with that. He said, if you're using Rise Up Smart Grass for the first time, what would be the appropriate rate per acre? I saw some trial work done recently where they tried three tenths of an ounce, yep. six tenths of an ounce, nine tenths of an ounce. The six tenths of an ounce looked pretty good on the graph. Is that a rate you would
0: you would use? Uh probably half an ounce. I don't know if I go all the way to six tenths. It's really inexpensive. I'm gonna say half an ounce is something like I think $4. So it's not much. Now, if you want to try three-tenths of an ounce, you certainly can, but especially this year with the way commodity prices are, I'd spend the extra, literally the dollar and a quarter and bump the rate to a half an ounce. That's probably the rate I would go. Beyond that, you can certainly go with higher rates if you want to, but I think half an ounce is probably going to do it in most cases.
1: All right, thanks John for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, got a soil test here from Cody and he said, "Hey guys, here's a soil test from one of my fields. I'm wondering what you would recommend to balance it out to get the best bang for my buck and fertility I'm raising canola and I'm shooting for between 40 and 50 bushels per acre if I get enough moisture
0: Sure and here's the thing Cody unfortunately the, the soil test levels on most of your nutrients look relatively low So there's good news and bad so, news So we that. go back to the, we go
1: back to rule number 1 feed the crop
0: Yep but the good news is It doesn't look to me like you have anything that's way out of balance, just at first glance here. Uh, So that part's good. Okay. The bad news is you're going to have to invest some money in some nutrients if you want to take your yields to a much higher level. But I, I mean, that's just I mean that's that's the way it is. Your your phosphorus is less than 10 parts per million. Your potassium is. 2.7% on a base saturation K test. So that, I mean, those are the two nutrients we typically start with. So we're going to tell you, hey, do what you can to boost those. Zinc, we usually talk about 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc. Well, as low as your phosphorus is, your zinc's fine. But the thing is, if you start building that phosphorus up to, say, 50 parts per million, you're going to want to get a little more zinc out there. You also need to get a little more copper out there to go in ratio with your phosphorus. So right now, everything's balanced. And w- w- what I'm trying to tell you here is, because we've had we've done this on our farm where we say, well, boy, everything's low. Let's start with P&K. Let's load her up with P&K. So we did that, and then we realized, uh-oh, we, <laughs> we should have put some micronutrients out at the same time. So I'm trying to say here, I, I understand how most fertilizer dealers will tell you, well, boy, you better just put all your dollars to P&K. I would tell you put 90% of your dollars to P&K, but put a little bit of sulfur, boron, copper, and manganese, and, and then definitely a little zinc out there to keep stuff in balance, and that will probably be the best way to invest the same number of dollars.
1: All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. You got this one from Mike in Southwest Michigan. He said, we took out a hundred year old apple orchard last year. He planted corn in that ground and yielded 190 bushels per acre. Hey, that's awesome. That's really good, Mike. He said, now, according to your fertilizer removal chart, it looks like we left behind 209 pounds of potassium in the stover. Hey, first of all, before you go any further with that, Mike, no, you didn't. It yep. took 209 pounds of potassium to grow that stover. Now, that's that's assuming that you had enough to, to feed everything because let's just say you ran short. Well, you might have compromised your stock quality and the plant, and you might have had a, a plant that was short of some nutrients as you're feeding that eh, crop, but maybe. you don't necessarily have 209 pounds You
0: left. probably do, though. There's probably that out there as long as you left all all the residue out in the field. Now, keep in mind, some of it might not be available immediately, but yes, you probably left that behind in the the the, stalk, the roots, everything.
1: Okay. Now, you said we're going to plant soybeans this year, shooting for 65 bushels, and according to your removal chart, we need 143 pounds of K for that goal. We made a vertical till pass in the fall to size up residue. We'll make another right before planting, but we realize not 100% of that residue is going to break down. Not all of the potassium is going to be available for our crop. We're currently spreading 150 pounds of potash while we're thinking about this. We get about 12 to 15 inches of rain during the crop season. We have a 2 to 6 CEC with less than 2% organic matter. It's some pretty light ground. What do you think?
0: Well, when you're talking... Ground that's that light two to six CEC is very light, so we'd call that very sandy. I would say you're probably going to want to throw some potassium out there mid-season with those onto those soybeans somehow, some way. So what you've done so far sounds good to me. I'm all I'm all okay with what you've got for potassium out there, but if you don't put some out mid-season. It's very possible that the K you have there now could leach too low, not be in the root zone, and all of a sudden your plant is starving for K. Soybean plants need a ridiculous amount of potassium right in the middle of the season. So when they start flowering, it's you know a higher level, but when they start potting, my goodness, they have to have lots of K and it's got to be available right then each and every day.
1: Alright, thanks for the questions. really appreciate that. We're going to be talking about sunflower production on today's show. We get a lot of questions about sunflowers. Hey, why don't you guys talk more about that? So, if you're interested in that, today is your day. Now, of course, sunflowers are a broadleaf crop, and many of the things that we talk about here will apply to other broadleaf crops as well. So, we'll get into that discussion right after this. Stay tuned.
2: With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold-infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG.
3: When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table. Because we believe you deserve near-zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist weed control system. Just better. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com.
1: back you're listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today we're talking about sunflowers on today's program and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 AGPHD. you can also email us radio at agphd.com start off with trevor israel he works with valent trevor thanks for joining us today
4: Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: You bet. You know, I saw your name and I thought, oh, man, you know, Trevor, I talked to him a lot about killing sunflowers in our soybean crop. But now, now we're talking about sunflowers and trying to do the best we can in a sunflower crop. And, you know, this is one that, that I think the the options are a lot less uh, plentiful, so to speak, as, as we've got in some of the other crops. So you've got to do a good job right from the start.
4: Right. That that that's absolutely right. Uh, with um, sunflower, not as many options. So uh, getting a uh, strong uh, uh, pre-down and, and not having uh, as many uh, in-crop options as, as well uh, limits that.
1: You know, there there are just so many things to to manage to reduce stress on sunflower. So you talk to farmers all over when you're you're talking with sunflower farmers. Where do you like to start the conversation?
4: Well, with uh, sunflower farmers um you know um thinking about that uh, across the state. Um typically sunflowers uh are, are, are late, later planted so that's always uh, something to consider depending on your rotation. Um some flowers uh they uh they can be fairly deep rooted so they can uh, go out and, and, and find some moisture. They're fairly um uh don't need as much moisture starting the season. Um uh looking at this season, uh maybe uh, folks might want to consider some some sunflowers uh, if they're worried about some uh, droughtier areas or a dry just drier start to the season. I you know we're getting some much needed rain across our area in, in South Dakota and uh, Minnesota. North Dakota still a little little dry, but um, definitely an option. I know uh, uh, prices were good last year, but um, still probably a good option, especially agronomically speaking for uh, for water for, uh, water conservation crop.
1: Sure. Sure. And, you know, you think about that, we talked about limited uh, options for, for weed control and crop protection. Uh, I think about crop rotation and what farmers are doing and, and where they're following sun with sunflowers and, and so forth. Just thinking about coming out of a dry year, uh, certainly something that growers are going to be concerned about is, is anything from last year going to carry over and catch me on this year's crop too?
4: Right. That, that's a, that's a concern. Um, Luckily um a great crop in the spring that's a, to to follow fall valor is sunflowers. Um sunflowers uh are um you can come back with a and follow a fall valor application and still get a good um um good good stand and also uh an early spring burn down of, of valor uh, in front of uh sunflowers. Still got an the option here to, to get one out and have and follow the uh, the rotation restriction, you know. Kind of an early spring, but still go out and get a, a residual there.
1: Sure, sure. You know the fall treatments. You mentioned that. I think that's a, a good topic too. That more and more growers that Brian and I are talking to are saying, "Wow, I've been doing some fall treatments out here. It's really helped on weed control."
4: Absolutely. Uh, you know, Valor. It's uh, usually by the time you get it out in the fall, it's going to have. Uh, um it's going to break down very little the soil soil's already uh low in, in temperature the uh, biological activity is not as as high as it was during the summer and it's just going to stay there now granted you got to get it on before the ground freezes but um you can still uh mix it with the burn down partner get the emerged weeds and and still have that uh the valor there in the top layer of soil, get a rain or and some snow on it, and then moving into next spring, it's still there, right in the, uh, the weed germination zone, right in that top inch or two of soil. So um, very good option, and, and then extends into, into spring as well, uh, you know, covering some uh, early germinators like kochia, um, uh, still horseweed that may be germinating in the spring as well.
1: Sure, sure. We're talking with Trevor Israel here with Val with Valent. Uh Trevor, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. I totally agree. The the start clean with a sunflower crop gives you the best shot for yield. Thanks, Trevor. We appreciate it.
4: All right. Thanks, Darren. Take care. You bet.
1: Set head up to North Dakota. We've got Ryan Hunt with us right now with FMC. And Ryan, when we think about those pre-emerge herbicides, there's a lot of growers that say, well, should I use a yellow? Should I use some Spartan uh, or some Spartan charge out there? And uh, our answer is always, hey, every option you've got, let's say yes to that. We, we need as much help as we can get pre in sunflowers. We don't have a whole lot of post choices.
5: Yeah, that's uh, thanks for having me and good afternoon. But that is the key with sunflowers you got very limited, very limited post options. So, your big thing is you know, getting as much out there as you can to last as long as it can to extend into that season because you know, you can clean up some of your some of your mustards and pigweeds and whatnot and grasses pretty well with like the express sun or the clear fields but um you know like a product like authority supreme um you know we've got the two longest lasting group 14 and 15 modes of action in there to give you control of all those pigweeds kochia um you know those tough weeds that we don't have a post option for and then we'll even pick up some grass control with that so where we're in these heavy heavy wheat rotations and using a lot of group ones and twos where we're switching the mode of action on that grass control too, doing a little resistant management there. So, you know, it's really key to get get as much as you can out there early and get that residual into the season.
1: Well, you mentioned Authority Supreme too. One big advantage I see as well is you can use that in a conventional till situation. You can also use it in a no-till situation. So that that's kind of a nice option for growers to have.
5: Yeah, definitely. You know, the biggest thing with them is we want to start clean, like you were talking about earlier, you know, that fall valor does a great job starting you out clean and then throwing some other residual out there to get in. Um, you know, so if you're in a no-till, make sure you get that burn down, start it off clean. Um, you know, and that conventional till, usually you're going to till it black and then, you know, you're good to go from there. And then you got it all right in one jug and you don't got to deal with the yellows and whatnot.
1: In your area, Ryan, what kind of insect pressure is there in a sunflower crop and and timing and product choices that that growers are making? I would assume that's a a big one. You don't want to have your sunflowers getting chewed up by bugs.
5: Yeah, that's a real big deal, especially in the conventional flowers. You know, we've got a lot of the red seed weevil. That's really the main pest up here, but then we also get the moths as well. But, um, you know, typically right now it's been a pyrethroid market. Um, there has been some chlorpyrifos lowers ban, a lot of that in the past. That's kind of coming to an end. So it's uh, really, you know, really right at that start of that bloom stage. And then those conventionals are getting sprayed usually twice with the airplanes. Just, you know, no one wants any bugs in their big sunflower seeds when they're driving down the road.
1: No, I sure don't. I sure don't. Do you, do you see a big difference uh, when you're using like in uh, a lot of our crops? Uh, as you come further south, we're using a lot of hero. We've we've kind of liked having two different active ingredients in there. Has that been something that's caught on in sunflowers too?
5: Well, so that's a hero is a really nice product in soybeans. the The issue right now with that is um, the one portion of it's not labeled in sunflowers. Gotcha. Now that's in the process for. Hopefully 2022, um, but right now we um, that bifenthrin that's in there is not labeled, so we're stuck to like the Mustang Maxes and those other pyrethroids for the time being. Gotcha. But hopefully next year we'll have a more powerful product there to use, longer residual.
1: Yeah, you know, the other thing that I'm excited about the FMC's got coming is the new Zaiway fungicide. Is that something that could ever uh, work out for a sunflower crop as well down the road?
5: You know, we're looking at it. Um, we're going to do a lot more work with that here this upcoming year and next year. Um, we have a few issues with broadleaf crops, putting it in furrow, but we are looking at putting it, dripping it over the top of the furrow or else in a, if a grower is set up for a two by two situation, those roots can get over there. Um, you know, there's a lot of fungicide for rust and whatnot, um, and early on flowers. So it would be a great way to get it in there right in the furrow and not have to come back and make another trip across the field.
1: Yeah, sorry to get you off uh, predicting the future here, but uh, yeah, there's there's just a lot of technology out there. And that's that's one of the challenges in yep. sunflowers is that it's not as big an acre crop and not always the first thing that gets labeled, but uh, it's certainly good to hear there's a lot of research being done. We're talking with Ryan Hunt here with FMC. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and good luck. Hopefully you guys catch some rain up there pretty soon. I know North Dakota could sure use it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
6: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected, and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match.
4: Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide AR Match Herbicide.
6: Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide AR Match from Corteva Agriscience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Arlax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more.
1: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting from the Morton Studio, talking about sunflower production. And real happy to have Clark on with us right now up in North Dakota. He farms up there. Clark, thanks for joining us.
8: You bet. Glad to be here.
1: All right. I uh, started the show off today and our first guest said, you know, on a drier year, sunflowers might not be a bad choice. That might be, might be a preferred option for a lot of growers. How are things up in your part of North Dakota? And do you have any rain in the forecast?
8: Uh, it is extremely, extremely dry here. As dry as I've ever seen it. And I've been farming since the early eighties and, uh, it's, it's bad. It's, it's terrible. And, uh, there's a little forecast of a, uh, maybe a shot of rain here you know, later this week or, you know, this weekend, but uh, yeah, we, we can't even as much as get a sprinkle up here. It's, it's terrible. All
1: right. Let's, uh, let's assume that we're going to catch a little bit of moisture and, and uh, it's going to be a good year for growing things. When you talk about sunflowers, what are some of the keys to, to raising good, good yielding and profitable sunflowers
8: on your farm? Well, you know you got to start out with a good pre you got to keep the you got to keep the weeds today and uh you know uh do a good job fertilizing and use good seed and uh you know the probably the biggest thing in our area is make sure you're doing it no-till you know if you can save every little bit of moisture you can and get that plant established uh once it's once it's going it'll go down and get the moisture uh those roots are uh they'll, they'll go down a long ways and, and get the nutrients and moisture we we really like it for that fact that it'll go down there and get that nutrient that maybe uh, other, other crops can't get.
1: Hey, I like that you mentioned having a good fertility plan because I, I talked to some farmers that say, man, it's such a good scavenger crop, but I see the guys that are pushing fertility on sunflowers, they just have bigger, thicker stalks, less disease pressure and higher yields. What are some of the nutrients that, that are really key for, for your soils to try and grow good sunflowers?
8: You know, the, the, the uh, Nutrients we find that's probably most important is the micros. Uh, Sunflowers really respond to boron and zinc, and we find that if we can put a little bit of that in the starter fertilizer, uh, and we do it in roll with a with a liquid fertilizer, we have had really good response doing that. I know some uh, um, research in NDSU or college uh, studies say that you know that starter isn't probably as important or or uh, nitrogen, but. you know, you fertilize that plant. It's a healthier plant. It can fight off the uh, wind and, uh, you know, just stronger. It's just, it's just a, a better program. You don't have to go crazy. Uh, you know, I, I think 80 units, 80 to 90 units of N is going to get you uh, 24, 2,500-pound sunflowers. Um, so it's, it's not like a, a corn or a, a maybe a, a grain crop where you have to be in that 100 to 120 units of N to get a real good yield, you know.
1: Sure, sure. How about crop rotation, Clark? Now, I know you mentioned that, that reducing tillage sure helps and conserves every little bit of moisture that you can. Uh, with crop rotation, uh, I'm assuming that makes a big difference too. Where do you like to put sunflowers in the rotation?
8: Generally, uh, our rotation consists of, for example, today I'm planting, I'm planting barley into last year's sunflower stalks. And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll put our sunflowers on our corn stalks. And we'll put our corn on either our soybean or our uh, malting barley or wheat crop. And so we try to have a five or, or six crop rotation, you know, chickpeas and peas with uh, sunflowers, corn, soybeans, wheat, barley, that type of thing. Try to get a cool season grass, a warm season grass, a cool season broadleaf and a, and a warm season broadleaf. That, that generally works pretty good. We try to keep at least four year rotations in our sunflowers last year. Uh, we had really good uh, confection and oil sunflower contracts, so I pushed my uh, rotations pretty tight, and so, yeah, even though it's dry this year, and I know sunflowers do really good in drier conditions, I'm kind of limited what how many acres I can put in.
1: Yeah, that that or that uh, experience that you're talking about, having farmed since the '80s and been through a few of these years, you, you know of what you speak. We're talking with Clark out in North Dakota. Well, Clark, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little bit about what makes sunflowers work on your farm. And good luck to you. Hopefully, you catch a bunch of rain yeah. coming up.
8: Yeah, share some with us.
1: We we would if we had any extra Clark. We're getting our first little <laughs> you guys, decent shot here too. So, yeah. But I know what yeah, you mean. I, if we start catching it here, hopefully it comes up there too.
8: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: You bet. Thank you. Uh, I've got John Sand back in on with us right now up in North Dakota. He's with the National Sunflower Association. John, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on.
9: Well, hey, thank you for the opportunity.
1: You know, we were talking with Clark, who farms in North Dakota, but uh, there are sunflowers certainly raised a lot further than just in the Dakotas. What does the sunflower market look like this year? A lot of lot of excitement about crop production this year in terms of where the prices are for for many of the different commodities.
9: Well, you know, definitely we we've seen that same upsurge in prices right now. Uh, when you look at where we were last year at this time, we're about five fifty to six dollars a weight higher. So. We've ridden that rally also, especially on the oil side of things, and um, it looks like a great year for sunflower.
1: Yeah, yeah, it sure does. And, and it's it's kind of fun just listening to the story that you have to tell with the, the different nutrient composition that is in some of the different products today. There's been a lot of development. Talk to us a little bit about that sunflower market and what demand looks like.
9: Well, you know, on the demand side of things, you're, about 80% of our market is in North America. You know, if you took the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and, you know, some of those new alternative products that are coming out, some of the plant-based products, sunflower is a really key ingredient for them. And so we've seen a lot of growth in that area. And then also just here in the last year with the COVID situation, a lot more folks eating at home, uh, whether that be a processed food product or cooking at home, you know, our, our demand is really driven up because that's where most of our use is.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. I, I think about a lot of different products that get used and certainly sunflower seeds are the easiest thing. And uh, one of our guests earlier was talking about that. He goes, man, I don't want to have any bugs in my sunflower seeds as I'm heading down the road. You know, there are a lot of challenges to raising sunflowers. And and I know like Clark was saying, he you figure out what that rotation is. What do you see with sunflowers produced across the country? Do you see growers looking at three year, four year, five year rotations and, and putting sunflowers in as a profitable part of the rotation each year?
9: You know, definitely. That that that's probably a good rotation period, as Clark had mentioned. That's, you know, in, in some cases, if you're in a drier climate, you can go with that three-year window. But most guys are like, let's say, at least a four-year rotation, summer five. Um, but you know, that that's a pretty good window. And you know, year in and year out, um, when you look at sunflower, it's just been a great, great crop to put into the rotation, especially in this central part of the U.S.
1: Now, Clark had mentioned that that contract prices were really good last year, and so he locked in a bunch of acres. Are there still contracts out there that farmers could take advantage of this year?
9: Well, you know, definitely. You know, the the crushers and, and on the confection side, they're both offering cash and act of God contracts. And, you know, that there's been a lot of uncertainty this spring, obviously, with the dry conditions we've got here in the Dakotas and Minnesota and actually through all the whole sunflower growing region and Having that act of God contract is really nice in that you can lock in an attractive price and kind of takes that risk element on, on the yield side because if you can't deliver the amount of pounds you contracted, you don't have to go back out into the market and buy it. And so it's just something that, you know, I think as, as a grower would help you sleep a little bit better at night given the conditions we're facing this year.
1: Absolutely. Are, are you expecting acres to be up significantly on sunflowers this year or, or where, where is the forecast right now?
9: Well, you know, when the USDA report came out last week, they showed us being down um, and considerably lower than what the industry had anticipated. But I know some of the other major commodities seem to be a little off. And so, you know, from talking to folks in the industry and where seed sales are at, we're just not seeing that. We're, we're seeing acres staying pretty stable this year. In fact, might, be, might even add some acres, especially on the oil side because of the dry conditions. So I guess, you know, it, we'll have to kind of see how it turns out in June when the next report comes out. But the March report seemed a little too low to me given where our prices are at and then the opportunities that are out there to contract.
1: I kind of thought the same thing, just talking to farmers and, and what their expected acres were. It seemed like, at least in the Dakotas, that, that acres were, like you say, at worst, stable, if not just a little bit better. So I agree. I was kind of surprised by several of the crops and what the forecast was.
9: Yeah, you know, definitely didn't make sense. In fact, some some people that I'd read, they said, you know, that the acres that were they forecast were lower than what were planted four years ago, and I thought, that just doesn't make sense to me, given how, you know, the planting conditions that we face,
1: so. Yeah, I agree. We're talking with John Sandbocken with the National Sunflower Association. John, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, appreciate what you do, and good luck heading into this season.
9: Hey, thank you very much for having me on your program today.
1: You bet. We're talking sunflower production on our show, and also taking your calls and questions at
7: 844-44-AG-PHD
1: got a bunch of emails that have come in too and got a few soil samples try and stump brian on here we'll have a little fun with that coming up Uh, we're talking sunflowers on today's show stay tuned we'll be right back
6: Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator closing wheel from Farm Shop Mfg. Our spike design excels in variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at FarmShopMFG.com.
3: You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba glyphosate and glufosinate the yield you want the choice you need learn more at extendflexsoy.com always read and follow irm where applicable grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions
7: give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply indoprime sc MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com.
3: Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother, Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking about sunflower production. In our last segment, Clark from up in North Dakota had mentioned how dry North Dakota was. If you've never done this before, I'd encourage you to check out the United States National Drought Monitor map. It's at The web address is droughtmonitor.unl.edu. Or just search for drought monitor and, uh, and I'm sure you will find it. But anyway, the northern part of the United States is... Uh, it's it's very dry. So North Dakota, there's over half of the state that's considered to be an extreme drought area. We were actually in that prior to about a week ago, and now they've they've downgraded us to severe drought where we are in southeast South Dakota. I always tell people, though... It makes me I'm, feel good, Brad. We're know. only
1: in the severe drought now.
0: Well, I, you know, at least in our region, I'm not saying this for everybody, but in our region where we raise corn and soybeans and a little bit of wheat... We don't have winter crops. I mean, yes, there's grass, but grass is not the number one crop. Uh, it's corn, soybeans, and a little bit of wheat. I always tell people, you know, I'm I'm seriously praying for drought. From about the middle of September until around the first of May, or maybe just a little past that, because I want to get our crop out in the fall. I want to get our crop in in the spring. And our biggest challenge is usually we're so cold that we don't get rid of a lot of moisture. So we have moisture come in the spring, even a little bit, and all of a sudden we're out for another week, and then another inch of rain, we're out for another week. It's really hard to farm in those kind of conditions. Well, this spring, it's dry enough. We can get an inch of rain. We basically have had a total of an inch of rain over the last four days here. And, I mean, there's really no problem. We'll be going again right away since our ground started pretty dry. All right, so we've been talking about sunflowers today, and next we wanted to bring on Tony Wendler. He's with Farm Shop MFG uh, to talk a little about seeding, because I I think sometimes here on the show we talk so much about weed control and insects and diseases and everything, and we probably don't focus enough on the seeding. But if you get the seeding done right in the beginning, that usually means higher yields. Tony, how are you doing today?
8: I'm doing excellent,
0: Brian. All right. Uh, I, oh, go ahead. I
10: just want to add to your drought. Um, add to your drought thing. I sit right in the north edge of that uh, reddish orange zone on the drought map in Iowa. Yep. And uh, I was telling Janelle, I'll take every dreary day like this I can get right now
0: yeah um i and I don't mind getting a little bit of rain, but pretty soon here it's planting time, and so many years we ha we sit there for two or three weeks because it rains and then it rains and then it rains, so at least for getting yeah. the work done, I do like it when it's drier yeah
10: yeah no now no, say i I agree totally, but right now, I'd like to recharge that subsoil moisture.
0: Yep. All right, so So. just to talk about that real quick, um, so you've got the germinator closing wheels. And when we start talking about getting good seed-to-soil contact out there, there's a lot of difference in planting conditions from year to year and even from field to field. And so even like this year, there are still some spots where guys have wetter soil, a little bit of compaction yet from last year, the year or two before that. Uh, so they're, they're, they're seeing a lot of variance out there. So just talk to us about how closing wheels can help, especially as you start to get into some of these extreme conditions.
10: Well, you know, depending on what kind of conditions you're in, everything from like you're talking compacted to, to wet uh if you the the old rubber has a hard time in a lot of no till, in a lot of uh, you know some guys are planting into wet conditions. You need something with a little more performance to push those uh, the shoulders of that furrow over and close it. And then the big thing is, it doesn't matter what the conditions are, you need seed to soil contact. So you need to really firm that soil back to the seed, <clears throat> back to the seed. That becomes an important part. In, uh you get in some drier, uh, really dry conditions, and the ground just doesn't want to form back and squeeze back. It's uh, a little bit like squeezing dry sand. You know, you just can't pack it. It just kind of swishes out. So you've got some issues that can play into it like that. Uh, but it's just looking at hopefully normal conditions. We've got some moisture underneath. That's subsoil. If we confirm that soil, it's going to help to wick moisture up, activate the seeds. The uh, we've got some, uh, had some experience with sunflowers and uh, the uh, wheels perform very well. In fact, that uh, had a buyer made a decision just off a couple rows. and they were awesome, and outfit his planter. So the germinators kick in and they help with that. Uh, one of the uh, the components of our wheels, and they will throw out the just evaluated a guy was testing them down in Missouri. And uh, he was comparing the shoulder on ours, how it firmed that soil, and comparing it with another a competitor of ours. And uh, they thought at the end of the day that uh, ours uh, performed a little bit better. Hold on a second.
0: Well, I was just going to say, Tony, one of the reasons why we do like to talk about this is because Darren and I have both been in way too many fields over the years, where we walk out there shortly after planting, and a, a farmer has a question on something, a problem with something, whatever it is, and we go, whoa, uh, these furrows are not closed real well. And we do get concerned because like with sunflowers, for example, there are many farmers who want to plant and then they're going to go spray. Well, if you spray something like Spartan or Spartan Charge and you've got an open furrow and that that sunflower has started to germinate and and the, the sprout coming up if any part of that plant is exposed, that plant is dead when it gets hit with that Spartan or Spartan charge. So when when we've got products that are like that that are amazing for crop safety as long as the seed and the plants in the ground and you think it's all in the ground, but that closing or that uh, uh, furrow is not closed very well, we got some real problems.
10: Yeah. I, I One of the things that I just can't emphasize enough for anybody, you need to get off that seat and walk behind the planter and take a look. And uh, the, the way I really have gotten in the habit I like digging is go across section. And, you know, there's a, there's a certain value to find in the seed. But one of the thing is look in the seed zone and see how you've closed it and have you compressed the soil. And I know exactly what you're saying. If you leave a uh, uh, furrow partially open and then uh, winds come along dry that out that thing opens further and you're going to have a lot more issues like you're talking you could have right. a uh, a seed down there that is just moist ground and it just starts to sprout it's it's exposed and uh, susceptible to issues like you're talking the um
0: go ahead oh i i, I was uh, just I was just going to say that that is our number one concern with that, and it varies so much within a field. That's what we worry about because if you check one time, you said get off and check, and we agree with that 100%. It's just – A person has to do that on a regular basis because as you go through these varying soils, like, I mean, almost every farmer has varying soils through a field, you do get a big difference from one area of the field to the next. So just for all farmers, we just encourage you, just check, please check more often. And I know it's hard because you want to roll and get as many acres done as possible. And that's kind of how we all judge ourselves like, oh, I didn't get enough acres done today. Yeah, but did we get the acres done right? That's, that really should be the more important question than how many total acres we get done.
10: Uh, you know, one of the your point is, is very well taken. One of the things I always try to do, when I go over some of my farms, I've got some of those uh, clay hills, which are tougher to close. Yep. The, uh, it always seems you start on the ideal stuff, you look at it there, but I always try to stop when I get to those poor soils and go back and take a look. What am I doing in that zone? Am I squeezing it together? And what's occurring in that that type of environment? And that again, uh, get off the seat, go back and look. Pick your environments, uh, and you might have a field that's sandy or like uh, my clay, which is harder to push together, or it's the ideal soil condition, and uh, everything works great. But yep. you got to go back and look. And uh, yep, again, look at that look at that seed zone. You know how you're closing and squeezing that together. And I'm actually. I like the way on my planter I'll squeeze a little bit more on the edges and it's going to squeeze down into the seed zone firming and then it'll kind of almost just fluff it up a little bit in the center the way it uh, squeezes together. So I'll have a little rounded fluffed area of a firm packed area down in the seed zone. And, uh, for your sunflowers, I think that's probably the, the perfect type of environment to create when you're going through the field.
0: Yep, absolutely. And and yeah, seed to soil contact, I don't care what type of seed we're planting, whether it's sunflowers or anything else, we've got to have that good seed to soil contact. Well, we've been talking with Tony Wendler. If you want to check out anything he's got, like his germinator closing wheel, just go to farmshopmfg.com. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of your questions after this. Whether or not,
6: relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to
3: learn more. Always read and follow all label directions.
6: Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet, however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from FarmShop MFG. The Germinator's spike design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed-to-soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com.
2: When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations you know new farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant pre-emerge and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New farm and Panther SC here to help.
0: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton Studio, talking sunflowers. I just have a couple of last things. When we think about sunflower herbicides, here here's probably the number one thing you got to keep in mind. Um, post-emerge, you have almost zero options. Sure, there's beyond and clear field sunflowers. There's express and express sunflowers. Uh, sunflowers. So, I I mean, there's clethidum for grass, but in terms of broad leaves in regular sunflowers, uh, there's just, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. So you got to start with a great pre-emerge herbicide. So use the full rate of Spartan and use the full rate of Sonalan or Prowl. Now, certainly you could use Trifluralin, but Sonalan's better. I know it costs a little more, but it's going to be worth the money because you have to have great weed control. And a lot of times when I'm talking to guys on sunflowers, they go, well, we're from a dry area and we can't afford much. I go, look, you're from a dry area. You need to invest more in herbicide because every weed out there robs your valuable water. And that's the problem. So I can promise you, if you have better weed control, you have more water for the plant. That's that's, just the way it is. So Anyway, I know it's hard sometimes to invest those dollars, but I just tell you all the time, I tell everybody for Sunflowers, gotta go full rate Spartan, and then you gotta go full rate either Sonolan or Prowl. Prowl is the no-till product, Sonolan's the conventional till product. So you do that, and now you're gonna start off great. Then you gotta take a look for bugs. Uh, even for diseases later on. If you do happen to start getting wetter conditions, you could go out and spray a fungicide, but bugs can be a real issue in sunflowers. Now, we're we're not going to spend any time talking about birds today. I think almost every sunflower grower knows, um, hey, yeah, we can have issues with the birds, but it's the bugs that I would really encourage you to scout for, and that's what we kind of focus on. It's very inexpensive, for the actual insecticide. Now, if you have to call a plane in to spray, yes, that costs some money, but the actual insecticide, usually guys are using pyrethroids, it costs $2. So, super cheap, just scout. If you got bugs, get them under control. All right, let's jump back to the Ag mailbag.
1: All right, Brian, uh, get this from Larry and he had sent in some fertility questions for us uh, back in March and he just said, okay, We've got a bunch of fertility with P and K that you recommended getting onto this field to build things up. We're growing rice. Can you put 100% of the recommended rates on all in one shot? And here is the fertility uh, recommendation that he got from his provider there to see what he thinks. They had a farm, had been mined for years, and the P and K were on the low side. And he was just kind of curious if he could do it all in one shot.
0: Yes, Yep. So, yeah, in most cases with P&K, you can put it all on in one shot, especially the earlier you go, the safer you are. All right. Uh, there We get a lot of questions about, well, so much salt when you're throwing out the potassium. Well, yep. But here's the thing. All fertilizer is salt. I mean, literally, fertilizer is salt. So I get that we're concerned about salt. Believe me, we are, too. We, we use manure, we use all these different uh, commercial fertilizer products. We're always concerned about salt, but by the same token, we have to have nutrients or we don't have yield. So anyway, when you've got soil that's really depleted in a lot of cases, if you can afford it, yes, we do say, you know what, just fix it in one shot. That's typically what we do when we pick up new ground. And I don't really care what it costs. In some cases, it might cost $500 to get everything fixed up, like literally every possible nutrient. And the lime and all that stuff, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I've spent $500 an acre to fix things up. But you know what? In heavy soil, now I've got it there for a really long time. I have things in balance, and almost immediately we can get very good yields. So I'm not saying go absolutely nuts or anything like that, but I am saying for what it looks like his recommendations are here, I really have no problem with that. It was like 120 to 160 pounds of K2O, and uh, for phosphate as high as 90 pounds. I mean that that is that that that's that's not that bad.
1: All right, thanks for the question. Uh, got this one from. Doug and he said I sampled my entire farm two years ago on two and a half acre grids. My macronutrients and pH are good. I'm working on adjusting my micronutrients with dry fertilizer through an airflow machine. Next fall Rather than sampling one acre grids or even on the same two and a half acre grid points, I'm considering splitting my grid points and again collecting on two and a half acre grids just at different spots that I didn't hit before. I feel by moving off the previous grid points, I might be able to accomplish the same results as one acre grids Uh, especially as it relates to pH. Let me know if you think I'm on track. I know Darren likes to go back to the same grid point references. Hey, Doug, I've had the same idea too of, all right, maybe I can't afford to do one acre grids, but if I sample different points over three or four years, I end up getting down to the one acre. You could certainly do it that way.
0: Yeah, but instead, why don't you set it all up on one acre grids and sample every other one this year and then sample the other ones that didn't get sampled this year, two years from now, then you've accomplished the same thing, but now you know exactly where you are. So the, the biggest thing I always tell people is whatever size grid or zone you have, I don't care. That's, I mean, I do, but that, it's up to you what you want to do. All I'm saying is you need to set a GPS point that you will go to and you take soil cores from like a six foot radius around that, okay? Okay. So what I what I usually will say is hey just drive your pickup out there and just pull two core, two to three cores on each side of that vehicle so you have 8 to 12 cores and now you're done. And the reason why you want to do that is so you can go back to the same spot and also so you can now correlate all your soil test information to yield because you, it, you it's very easy to pull your yield data from that basic point, that one point. And you've got the soil test data, so now you can start making correlations. Like, hey, does more phosphorus pay on my farm? Does more zinc pay on my farm? Is uh, too much whatever of a certain nutrient hurting my yield? You can figure all that stuff out very simply. So that's usually what we'll tell you to do. So I don't, I don't really care if you want to go and still do your two and a half acre grids and move the spot in that grid but don't do random samples around the two and a half acre grid okay so pick a gps spot and then you're good now as far as being in the same spot year after year it's nice in one respect because you could see how you're coming are you increasing your levels decreasing them whatever but on the other hand I don't really care all that much because I know that I'm trying to shoot for certain levels on my farm. And if, let's say, I'm shooting for 100 parts per million in phosphorus and I get an area that's at 30, then I'm going to heavily fertilize that. If I got an area that's 130, then I'm not going to put any out there. So I don't know that I really care in a lot of cases about the history other than it's just kind of nice to track how, how you're progressing over time.
1: All right. Thanks for the question. Thanks for thinking about this, too, and trying to, to do a better job with what you're doing with your soil program. Got a couple lawn questions here for you, Brian. First one comes from BC. It says, my soil tests say I'm high in iron, deficient in everything else. What should I do for my lawn and
0: garden? Well, first of all, are you really high in iron? Uh, where Where I'm going with this is both with soil tests and with tissue analysis, we often see contamination. So, if your soil probe was rusty, for example, or uh, Or used a shovel, and they see it
1: a lot with lawn tests and garden tests that somebody uses Mm -hmm. a shovel and sends it in, or they collect the samples into a metal bucket. So we generally use a plastic five-gallon pail and a stainless steel probe. That way we don't have any contamination. So I'd be concerned you had contamination. I would just try to feed the crop with what it needs for this year. So I'd take a look at our AG PhD fertilizer removal app. You can type in whatever you're growing in the garden or the lawn or, or any crop that you're trying to grow, and you can see what nutrients you'll need to apply for this year. So I'd start doing that. And if you wanted to, you could start building up P and K and most of the micros than boron, those nutrients don't really leach, so they'll stick around in your soil for longer if you want to add a little extra of those. Okay, then I got this one from Double A who said, how do I know how much lime I need to put into my lawn to grow better grass? And if I put more on than I should, what would it impact? Well, obviously we don't want to get nutrients out of balance. If you need more lime, chances are you need a lot more calcium. One thing that I use in my lawn – pretty successfully has been gypsum. It's calcium and sulfur, and both of those you need in high quantities to grow good grass. So you could start with gypsum and see if you could get your calcium percentages up that way too. Thanks for the question, AA. Had a fun show talking about sunflowers today. Also got a few questions we didn't get to. We'll try to get to those again later this week. And if you ever have an agronomic question for us, radio at agphd.com is the place to send it. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to tune in again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.